Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Selective Hearing. I am your host, Julie DeMar, and I am back with another very special, beautiful guest. Today, I'm going to be having a conversation with Bettina Jones. And before I get started with all of my questions, as usual, I love to give the guest the floor to introduce yourself as well and tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Bettina Jones, and I'm a master certified life coach based on the West Coast in the U.S. I work with women of color who are in the corporate world, small businesses, entrepreneurs, any woman of color who is looking for more meaning in their lives. I've been working in corporate for 20 plus years. I'm building my life coach business for the last four years now. So, yeah. What kind of swung you in that direction to say, hey, I'm going to be a coach and this is going to be my focus? Well, that's a that's a deep question because um, it wasn't until I made a major change in my life in 2016. I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, just looking for change. And the people, I didn't know anybody in the city that I moved to and everybody that I was meeting was a life coach. And these were predominantly white women. And they're like, you need to be a life coach. Why aren't you a life coach? I was like, because I don't see anybody that looks like me that's a life coach. And so it took some soul searching. And I found a school that really resonated with me. And I realized that if I had found a life coach 10 years earlier that I could have worked with, that I didn't think was only for wealthy men or women in executive levels, my life would have changed sooner. So that was like, and so that's why I'm on a, a mission to uh, educate other people of color about the power and the potential of life coaching. So what's so beautiful about what is about to take place today is I love, I love the fact that you're a coach and that you're here and that this conversation has the potential to inspire and motivate that person that doesn't know about this or doesn't doesn't understand what this is to learn more and take control of their life and contact you to get receive those tools that can help send them on their their growth journey and so that they can become that I say always become the person that you were created to be don't stay in this space of fear or comfortability like grow mm -hmm. out of that because that space that you that you enter and where you reach is so free and it's so beautiful and it's like amazing so i love having you here to inspire yeah. everyone that listens to just make that change if that's something that you're ready to do and mm -hmm. like what are i'll ask you like what are some of the common challenges that you find with women of color when they're um coming to you for coaching services biggest i would say is it's so simple but complicated asking for help asking for help um it's a challenge that i have myself but like and, and help meaning a variety of ways whether it's like someone signs up for me and maybe they have a child or two asking somebody to watch their child or their children while they have an hour of time with me and that could be their partner that could be whomever is in their circle 
but really it's asking for help because I think women of color have been conditioned to power through everything and do many things on our own. And it's like a shame to ask for help. And that's what coaching provides. It's helped to discover our internal worlds, which we've been putting on the side for way too long. <laughs> that. You saying that and it just made me think about, oh my gosh, I saw something was like, oh, it was like a while ago. Oh, you're so independent. And it was like, thank you. It's the childhood trauma. Like <laughs> uh, that hyper independence is not a good thing. It's not a, like, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's mm -hmm. okay to have feelings. It's okay to let go. And I, yeah. I, I know I've been through that. Like, don't worry that, don't worry about it. I'll do it. And if I can add, like something that I have on my website, my philosophy is like, we don't have to prove ourselves. You don't have to prove yourself. Just be seen. I can't tell you the number of coaching sessions that I've had that client, like I'll ask them one question, like just a simple question. And I'm not talking about like, what's been a challenge for you lately? And it's been like an hour of tears, like they, because they have so much pent up and held back that that's the only way that they could communicate. And I just hold space for that without judgment because we all want to want and need to be seen. Mm -hmm. And we do. I know. Yeah. So what are some things like that can help kind of like overcome that? Like that. Overcome that, it. That need to always be that point person, the strong person, that hyper-independent person that don't worry about it. I got it. I'll do it. Like, say if I, I don't do it, do it, nobody will. Yeah. Or if I don't <laughs> do it, it won't get done right like that. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, it, it's, it's a couple of things. It's like one being willing to like admit that that is a trauma response. Like, like you or like what you, what you recently just said a moment ago, I heard on a podcast that being an independent is a trauma response. That rocked me to my core because I too am fiercely independent and not easy for me to ask for help. So something that I would say may be helpful for some people is asking for help for little things or even like making a list. What could I use help with? Like if it's somebody who could simply unload the dishwasher. So I use certain tools and techniques and sometimes it's just asking questions for people like um, in coaching. I love I listen deeply like uh, like and I love the title of your selective hearing. Right. But I listen for like people will say, I want to do better on my job. And there's always another level or a deeper level of like, you don't want to do better with your job. You want happiness or you want more meaning in your life. So it's like me figuring out what questions to ask someone to help them get more in touch with their essential self because that's what's like calling for attention does that answer your question but like mm -hmm. i really i really i really like tell people like i'm holding sacred space for you what's going on some people are more intellectual and so i'll have tool meaning it's hard for them to get in touch with their feelings or to acknowledge their feelings which is perfectly fine and so i find other ways to like get in through the back door, <laughs> so to speak, to like use their intellect to go into imagination to help them find a little more freedom. I feel like this is just from my own experience that we're kind of conditioned 
as a community not to discuss feelings acknowledge feelings and like that those traits have been like passed down from generation to generation it's where like a lot of poorly communicating it comes in the you know all the the faux pas you, you're to be heard I mean you're to be seen not to be heard like all these things that mm -hmm. help us develop this way of not communicating what we need or what we feel or us even being made to feel that if you feel a certain way or if you need certain things that you're a burden and I mm -hmm. intentionally chose the word burden because I hear that a lot like I don't want to be a burden so I oh. just keep it to myself or I just I'll get through it or I'll be all right I'm not going to give you my problems when you have your own problems mm -hmm. and we don't realize how detrimental that is to our mental health and to our spirit yes. carrying all that weight everybody it gets heavy and it gets, it gets heavy quick it gets heavy and it definitely we pay a toll for that it keeps me as an individual in a square box and it doesn't allow other people in you know where i'm not the same of when i'm not the same person when trauma or the same age when trauma was experienced now i'm a i'm an adult and so i can take care of myself better and so i could select different people to be in my life and to be that support system. I say I have a healing team and that's what it takes. It does take a healing team. And my healing team includes a life coach, a life coach mentor, a food and body therapist, therapist, a uh, internal family system therapist, a chiropractor, a, an acupuncture. These, that's my healing team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need healing teams because we are on a healing journey. <laughs> Mm hmm. Oh, man. Yes. And it's it's so foreign. Like, what do you mean therapy? What do you mean a life coach? What do you mean this and that and mm -hmm. the other? It's and I even talked about like a few episodes away, like even to like um, the standard Christian pray it away mentality, like um, just give it to God. And it's like, that's fine. Uh -huh. Yeah, like that's fine. Pray about it, but take action about it, too. Like you have mm -hmm. to. You have to get up and you have to find the resources to help you. And I know like a lot of people are like, well, that costs money. I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> how do you respond to that? That costs money. <laughs> I know how I respond to it, but I want to get your take on it. Like, um, Well, someone who says that as well. I'm a planner though. I am a planner. Like once I identify that I need some support or help I and I know that it costs money, I look for ways like, one, is it something that my health insurance, I mean, life coaching is not because it's not that kind of an industry. Is there some way that I can barter with somebody? Does the person have, and this is something I'm developing for my life coaching business, is a package where it's more inclusive, where some people will pay my rate, some will pay a little less, and those who can afford to pay more will help me cover the costs. And so like everything costs money, but you know what, when there is something when we're making an investment in ourselves, what else are we gonna invest in? What's for, what's our priority? So yes, everything in this world does cost money, but money can be different things. And sometimes like if it costs money to go on vacation, but people go on their vacations, right? They find ways, mm -hmm. <laughs> whether they save for a year, start a fund for it, do whatever we have to, we, we find ways, so why not invest in our health? Why not invest in our well-being? And vacations only last so long. How often do you forget about them when you come home? <laughs> right away, those pictures go up on social media and then that's it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Unless we in intentionally call them back 
which sometimes I do as a meditation because they left me in a space. But still, like, I find even me when, I, like, there was a life coach I wanted to work with and I knew I couldn't afford her. I waited six months until I could afford her. And it was the best investment I ever made. I have, and that's all seriousness because I learned so much about myself and how to communicate and ask for what I want and write my marketing and my copy and use my voice. That's worth, that's, I don't know. I think that's priceless. I agree. And my thing is I like, okay, not so much now that I got the kids because I'm always carrying a diaper bag, but I like sure. that. <laughs> so, <hey. laughs> That's my thing. I like bags, but like now, like uh, a cute bag doesn't go good with a Spider-Man diaper bag over your shoulder. So I just throw everything <laughs> in the diaper bag and go. <laughs> but I would, if I need something, I don't have to buy a bag. Because mm. that mm -hmm. bag is, could be, if you don't have insurance, a therapy session or a coaching session, that bag could be a trip to, we actually have in Michigan, a mental health gym and it's like the first one ever. Wow. That could be an experience to go get um, red light therapy or to, um, they have those float tanks. Like- Oh, I tried one. Mm -hmm. th that could be an opportunity. I actually want to do that for Mother's Day. I want to go do a whole brain circuit. That's what I want for Mother's Day. I don't want to go to the spa this year. I actually want to go to the mental health gym. Mm -hmm. So you can go do that. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's just, there's things that you can do or you can buy a book on how to heal yes. and how to start your journey. And then once you have that starting point, then you can start researching how much things cost and how can I rearrange things in my life yes. so that I can get a coach, get an accountability partner, get someone mm -hmm. to help me navigate these waters. Because I think another thing that people don't realize is that this is a journey and it's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> like it's there's no easy fix here there's no magic pill it's a journey but it's really worth taking like it's really it worth taking 100 percent and more i know um I, have you ever heard of black girl breathing it's because i i practice breath work um which is such a powerful practice Black Girl Breathing, um, I can't think of the one who created it, but her last name is Joan. She's based in Atlanta. She does a monthly breathwork session for Black women. And it's either free or low income. And in terms of a step in the journey, it's like, and she does it because it was part of her healing journey. And she saw that there weren't a lot of Black women who were teaching breathwork, but it's like, I mean, sometimes we have to look, what do um, non-people of color do for their healing journeys? And why are they doing it? And why aren't we doing similar things that don't cause more trauma to us, but we see that them getting more freedom? We have the same right. We, we have that same equality. I prefer to learn from people of color, but it's not always the case. It's just not. And I'm fine with that because I always make sure that someone that I'm working with has social justice initiatives in mind, because that's highly important. That's who I am. But um, circling back to Black Girl Breathing, anybody, I, I'll share the website with you so that you can post it maybe in the, the notes because it can be a step in the journey. Yeah, I will definitely post it in the show details with, um, yeah. I always do a connect with the guests and I have all your information and then I'll put that in um, 
with additional information when I put the um, right. when I release the episodes and I can put it in um when I release the show poster too and I'll probably release the link on my Facebook just because <laughs> before because that sounds amazing I, and I'm sorry that was a little side note but <laughs> oh no 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 that's fine like I love where this conversation is going I like I I took so much time like with all of my questions and notes and things like that. Because like, I, I told you, I was like waiting for you. I was like, I can't wait. The day that we did our pre-interview, I like talked about you all day to my husband. Like, oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> because I was just like, we had like such a great conversation. And it's always really like nice and refreshing to me because I, I talk until people tell me to shut up basically. So I tell, <laughs> I tell all my friends, I talk about like, I'm always posted on social media. This is like, there's just things that I like therapy in our communities, life coaching in our communities, you know, trauma healing in our communities. And then explaining like, okay, now, you know, pass on the good news mm-hmm. because this is how we save each other. So yes. it's like, this is, if you want to thrive, just like we passed on all these things that aren't, are inherently not good for us. We can adapt these new practices and pass these on as well. And then like just watch and see how everything starts to take off. But like you have to not be afraid to have these conversations that are considered taboo among us or, you know, like don't be afraid to talk about these things that we weren't allowed to talk about. Like bring it up. And I mean, like, yeah, unless I'm told to shut up. I'm gonna keep talking about it. And I talk about all kinds of stuff. I talk about like conscious parenting. Like I, <laughs> I love that. Like that's a mission I'm on. Cause I'm a, I'm a healing mom. Like becoming mm-hmm. a mother made me be like, oh no, if I hold on to all this, I'm going to pass it on to my kids. So that snapped me into just like, okay. I said out loud one day, like you are not okay. And your kids are not going to be okay because of it. And that's what like set me on find the resources, find somebody to talk to, find somebody to help you start writing it down, start doing all the things that you need to do to be okay because they did not ask for any of this. And that is like my purpose. That's my mission. So then I started talking about different parenting ways because I actually read parenting books because we heard I did the best I could. There's no book on parenting. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, yes, there are. There are a bunch of books and you don't, and I take a piece from here and I take a piece from there. And then I share and there's not many, there's a lot of um, black content creators that are gentle and conscious parenting parents. And I post all, I share their stuff all the time. Body boundaries, how to speak to our kids, you know, like the grace we give adults, but don't give to kids and the expectation that we place on children to and how we say oh stay at a child's place don't do this don't do that you can't do this you can't do that and then when they become adults like why can't you communicate what's wrong with you what is all it's like you didn't give them any of that what do you expect i i hope you took the time to acknowledge the wisdom that came forward within yourself to want to be different because that takes huge amounts of courage that is very empowering. I'm not, I'm a dog parent. <laughs> I'm not a parent of children. But to me, that's like very inspiring to hear that you saw something that was missing within you. And you're like, no, it stops here with me. No more. So, bravo. Thank you. It's not easy, but I'm doing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I'm going to wait until my kids get grown. 
and then I'm gonna write a parenting <laughs> book because I want to get there. I want to know how I did. <laughs> then I'll write a parenting book, the book about like all the things that I tried, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and put it out. And then nobody can say in our community that there's no books on parenting because I am I'm taking notes every day right now. So when my kids get grown. There's going to be a book out there. So I want to ask you, because I know like you work with women that are professionals mm -hmm. and yes. that are experiencing workplace transitions or transitioning out into entrepreneurship and things like that. Like, what are some of the things that you've experienced with working with these women? What are some of the things that they've shared with you that they need to kind of work through or overcome in order to achieve their professional goals? A lot of it is mindset work. And I know that's a firm that is thrown out a lot, but it really is like, what are our thoughts? So I help, I help my clients look at their thoughts because our thoughts drive our behaviors, our actions. I had, if I could share about one client, I found it so incredible like that she was having this thought. She was an entrepreneur and she also had a full-time job and she has a successful growing beauty product line. And she had an opportunity to be in front of major like natural food product company to do a pitch of her of her products. Okay. And she's like, when she had she has uh locks, she's a dark skinned black woman. And she's like, what are they gonna think? This is her thinking. What are they gonna think when they see me? Like I have locks, I'm dark skin, they're all white. And we start to break it down. I'm like, well, what is this opportunity called? What is this for? Like, what, what do you want to accomplish? And she's like, I'd like to be in their store. I said, do they know you're a woman of color? And she's like, yes, this is an opportunity for people of color. The market was actually opening up and they were trying to attract people of color. But she, all she saw was what she looked like and how she didn't fit into white society or, or you know, society or, or what people would take on or what she would take on in the past. But it was an aha moment for her to like, look at, wait, this is an opportunity that's been created for me. And her system settled down. She no longer started picking at her hair and the color of her skin and things like that. So it was sometimes it's just like slowing people down. Reread it. What does it mean? Because I feel like we're so mm, reactive or hypo reactive because of past pain that like our mind just gets on our uh, in a groove and it, it shifted. And she went to the she settled down and she also had something about public speaking. And so we would practice a little bit. I was like, practice in the mirror, do something on different, create a mm -hmm. song, have notes, something that makes you feel like when you're there, even if you flub, you're still there and it's okay. Like it's okay to make mistakes. And she went and she rocked it and, and they're in production. And so it's, it's really like being a sounding board, but also like slowing things down in our mind. And for me, that means me finding the right questions like like to bring situational awareness to what's going on in our mind and what's actually happening and what's and it doesn't mean that the client is wrong no we don't know how we're being perceived i'm a curly-haired woman uh, natural i don't know how people take that and that's okay but like really like slowing it down and breaking it down where she her nervous system settled down and she could still be nervous when she presented but now she's not thinking oh they're going to be looking at me a certain way no 
they're looking at your products. They want to make money mm -hmm. <laughs> as do you <laughs> by expanding their market. So it's, it's little things like, I mean, they're little, but they're not little, but I, I love when people have aha moments and it doesn't happen in every session. It doesn't, but it, it's using tool and it really is mindset and me asking questions. That makes me, okay. So I feel like that is a proper way to usher in <laughs> this, this imposter syndrome and mm -hmm. everyone, this is me. I'm, I'm speaking for me. Bettina's going to offer how she feels, but I just want to let you guys know that I, um, was told that I could have imposter syndrome. And um, when I sent Patina my production package for the show and she went through it, she sent me this article that I read and I like started asking myself questions after reading that. And in those questions, I learned a lot about myself. And like one thing that I learned is I don't have imposter syndrome and I never have. And that was a very nice, a revelation to make <laughs> like <laughs> it, it was like I went through it and it was crazy it's like when you sent it because I was busy I like skimmed and I was catching things you know like selective hearing selective you know I was just picking out little words like oh 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 and then when I had time to settle down at the end of my day and I really went through the article and I sat with myself and I asked myself questions mm -hmm. I was like no I showed up and I did extremely well in the things that I did. I performed extremely well. I, I went through film school. I came out of film school with like all A's. I think I got two B's. I got nominated for an Emmy. And um, what a lot mm. of people don't know is if you're in film school, if you do well, you can be up for contingency to be considered by the Academy and by the Emmys. And wow. so I... I busted my butt and I ended up getting an Emmy nomination. Mm. And like <laughs> that's before even walking across the stage to get my degree. I made I, I got nominated for an Emmy. And you just don't accomplish things like that being an imposter. And yes, I had moments of extreme negative self-talk, and I had moments where I was battling a lot of different things. Given the environment I was in, given certain circumstances, and given previous life experiences that mm -hmm. I had not addressed yet, even though I went through those moments that left me feeling unworthy at times or made me question, did I work hard enough to deserve this? It doesn't change the fact that I did. Mm -hmm. And that's what I took away from that article. I was like, can you really be considered to be an imposter? when you're dealing with workplace trauma being inflicted on you, or if you're in an environment where, and we know as women of color that we often have to show up and work twice as hard. And we show up with the same accolades, if not more, the same experience, if not more, the same capabilities, if not more, we're often overlooked, we're often overshadowed, we're often underpaid, and we still show up Knowing all of that and having certain traumas inflicted on us, we still show up and we perform and we do it well. Mm -hmm. 
And to me, that's not the sign of an imposter at all. At all. So for everyone out there, I'm going to tell you, if that has ever been something that's been bestowed upon you, throw it in the trash. I threw it in the trash. Throw that in the trash. Because I don't believe that you can show up for yourself in such a high capacity and be an imposter. And that is my... That's how I feel about that. <laughs> Sign, feel, <laughs> and deliver. That's how I feel. <laughs> I 100% agree. Yes. Yes. That that was my feeling after I read it as well. Yeah. I was like, no. Wow. Like, you know, I think society uses terms and then like there's a bandwagon. And I do feel like imposter syndrome, especially in for working women, is one of those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point too, like you've heard, I'm sure, as well as your listeners, like if there's a job description, a man will read it, he'll say, well, I don't have this, I, I'm going to apply anyway. Where a woman will read it, I don't have that ability. Oh, I could do that a little bit. I did that in college. I can't do that. I can't do that. I've never done that. I'm not applying. And so we literally take ourselves out of the equation at times in order to be successful because we do not feel like we're good enough. Is that imposter syndrome? No. We've been taught that we're not good enough. I changed the dialogue for myself to say, I have the right to learn. So like my current position, I didn't feel 100% qualified. I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply and I'm going to interview and I'm going to get this job. And I did because I changed something. I'm not saying that happens all the time, but I was like, nope. I'm nervous. And I, I, so I always encourage, again, my clients, situational awareness. Are you sure you can't do what's stopping you for applying to be a speaker at a conference? Sometimes comparative information comes. Well, I have, I'm new to this topic. I haven't been talking about it for three years or 15 years. We, again, we, we take ourselves out that mm-hmm. self-doubt. And so if somebody does like apply for a conference to be a speaker, I'm using this as a situation because I know someone who did this. I was like, after they applied, like just celebrate. Celebrate that you got your your outline together, your presentation together, and that you hit send before the deadline. And then see what happens. Like, so it's like the initial steps to just like step forward into the unknown. And I know that's scary. And that's where a lot of our trauma comes from. I agree so much. I actually get nervous before I do every show. Me too. Yes. <laughs> what, do you, what, do, what do you do? What do you do before a show? I'm, and I'm just asking out of pure curiosity. Well, today before our interview, even I was so excited for our interview, but I was like still nervous. And I had an interview before you and I spoke about my grandmother um, during that interview. And so her favorite song is My Last Two Dollars. So I actually listened to My Last Two Dollars like three times on repeat right before we got on. But usually like when I'm nervous, I'll like, I'll sit with myself, I'll be quiet, I'll breathe. And I'll t- remind myself like, hey, you're doing this. You're already doing it. You got this, yeah. like you already started. Like, and you're gonna finish. And I'll tell myself that and then I'll go in. Or like today, I didn't have to do that. I just, you know, I was like, yeah, grandma, kind of that. Yeah. Like (laughs) to her, you know, like up in heaven, like, yeah, grandma, you know, I've got this. You're right. I'm doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the interview I've been waiting for everybody. (laughs) 
since our pre-interview like i connect with a lot of my guests but my guests are all beautiful and they've all you know added value to my show but like i just feel like we kind of had like this really nice connection and caught a vibe during our pre-interview and i I was like patiently and impatiently waiting for this (laughs) day so yeah i had like the little (laughs) butterflies and like now like see it's amazing the conversation is going great and it was all, you know, thanks. Shout out to Johnny Taylor, my last two dollars. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and but listening to that song too, that and this is one thing I always say as a coach. Um, like when I coach my clients, I don't want to be their coach forever. I want them to learn tools so that when something new or like they'll be they'll have the ability to self-coach, like you did. And I did too, because I was excited and nervous too. That's why I was like, when we die, I was like, I need one more minute. I was like, I have to sell my system down. I have to light some candles <laughs> <laughs> and like breathe and like just settle into my body. Like, okay, this conversation is going to be great. It always is. And just be myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's going really well. Like, it, I, I feel it. that, that same vibe that we had before. I feel it today. <laughs> And yeah, so I'm going to, um, I have like, but like, there's <laughs> another one. I didn't even know this term until recently, like uh shout out to the internet introducing all these new terms. And then I got to go look up what they are. And then I realized like, uh, I kind of know what that I've always known what that is, but okay. So have you had to deal with like code switching and do you know what that is? Because I just learned what it Pers- is. <laughs> yeah. Personally. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and with your clients, is this a thing that they have like um, come to you like to deal with? It comes up. Okay. uh, Like and and again, I think some things are so ingrained in us that we don't even know that we're doing them and the cost that they have to us, like Mm -hmm. what it costs us to code switch. Um, I know just an example for me. Something I do at my job, I smile a lot. That's code switching. Black men do it often, so they don't seem as threatening. And you know, like to make people feel comfortable. I do it every time I'm in front of my uh, executive. I'm like, hi, you know, like I, I feel it. I, I feel it. Like I don't show how I'm feeling. I just pump up my energy. And it's not that I'm not being true to myself, but it's like maybe I don't feel like it every moment I see him. And it's nothing against him, but so I'm not perceived as an angry black woman. Yeah. That I have customer service Julie is what I call her. She's like really bubbly and really like, hi, really giddy and all of that. And she shows up so that other people can feel comfortable with her presence. Mm-hmm. And that is so exhausting. And I didn't know that it was called code switching until recently, but I was like, how many years have I had to do that? And how many mm-hmm. years? you know, has that taken away, like chipped away at me little by little every time I had to like switch into that. And then like another thing is like, we don't see other people having to do that. And Mm -hmm. I really like hope that by bringing things up like this and having these conversations that it brings awareness to it and people learn how to treat people better. So you understand like Mm -hmm. I should not have to change myself so that you can be comfortable with who you are exactly. and that is like 
the biggest thing and i and like you said like it's just a thing we learn it so quick <laughs> and like it's just it's a habit <laughs> like it is like, like a second a, like a second skin you know mm -hmm. it's like we put it on especially when we're if we have to commute to work you know like by public transportation um when we walk into the office we have conversations with our colleagues. Um, I even recently read something, and I'm curious if you experience this, like in work environments that you're very careful about your language and how you say certain words, like ask versus ask or, or ask. Mm -hmm. that's, that's code switching. Like we can't, and there's nothing wrong with ask, 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 ask. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I, I I read it recently in an article where there are vernaculars for different cultures and there's nothing wrong with them. But often people who are not of color will correct them, you know, like like on a word. Like in Michigan, the, um, you're walk welcome. It's like welcome instead of welcome. Like it's like the, the E is replaced with a welcome. And you don't even realize you say it, but at like um work, you make sure. Thank you. You're welcome. You make sure that <laughs> E is in there and not that oh. But at home, like think you're welcome. Like, you know, it's just like <laughs> a, that many people probably don't even But, but yeah, like you 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 don't realize it like you but yeah, you do that and you do it like not even like like when I was talking about earlier, like getting in the car and putting that seatbelt on, <laughs> switch in and out, just like that. And just, it's, it's a, it's a lot though. It's a lot doing that. It is. It it's, is. Even I find myself, even with this show, it's my show. I created it. I drive this bus, but even going into certain situations, I will customer service, Julie. So that, you know, I make sure that the conversation goes great and the guests have a, you know, a, a good time and that we do something that adds value to the listener's life. But there's days where I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Gotta put on a mask. Yeah. Right? Le yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't, again, like, I just hope that by bringing it up and someone putting themselves in our shoes that they understand like the importance of making the other person, you want to feel comfortable. We're not even thinking about making sure that you are comfortable. Exactly. How about, how about yes. making us comfortable in the conversation or in the workplace or out in social environments, all of the above, because we're thinking uh, you know, of you. Exactly. Uh, you know, with Black Lives Matters protests, I remember reading an article where there was a group of people who were not of color out to lunch and there were protesters walking by and they were loud and they were passionate and a reporter interviewed them and said, you know, how do you feel about Black Lives Matters? And they said, I understand what they're trying to do, but right now isn't the right time to like, meaning don't interrupt our lunch when we're sitting outside enjoying the weather because it's inconvenient inconvenient for us forget about black and brown people being killed in the street when it's inconvenient like you know so it's like it's kind of like selective hearing mm -hmm. so like, you know, <laughs> like not here to make you comfortable here to bring awareness or consciousness to you but i love also something that you said is like 
similar to you, like just being aware when we're doing it, finding a little bit of awareness. When we pump up our energy, when we really don't want to, because we're a little tired or a little overworked or a little um, upset that we didn't get the increase that we were expecting or hoping or asked for. It's, it's, it's knowledge, it's self-knowledge and it's awareness because then, then we'll, that's the opening for some change, whatever that change looks like. Nobody can predict that, but it's like, mm, I feel like the soul becomes alive and like, mm, yeah, this isn't enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, oh, I had a, a conversation about um, code switching like a couple episodes ago too. And like the young lady was explaining to me like how um, she was Asian American and how Asian American women are perceived in the workplace and the expectations that are placed on them in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And when she got done talking, I was like, honey, we're the same. Yes, absolutely. Um, you're expected to be a different version of you that makes everybody else comfortable. Mm -hmm. and so are we yes and I'm like just the only difference is if you step out you're not going to be dubbed the angry black girl <laughs> that's yeah. Like, yeah. you you do have that luxury <laughs> Us mm -hmm. and not so much mm -hmm. I okay so how do you prioritize your own self-care and your own wellness with coaching and encouraging your clients because being there for everybody else but you still got to be there for you I know you said you have like your own response team set up but like yeah yeah I do what else do you have like going on to make sure that Bettina stays grounded so that you can help everyone else learn how to be grounded oh uh, I'm really fortunate where I have colleagues that are coaches and we will barter like I'm in a couple of groups and we're on WhatsApp. I'll be like, I need coaching. Who's available this weekend? <laughs> it's done often. So that's like for my, my healing team. I also, I live in the Pacific Northwest. So one of the things that I do is I go for walks in nature. I have a place that I call my sacred space. And it is like my go-to. When I am like really upset, I could go for this 20 minute walk, which I call a, a forest bath and i swear the trees the shrubs the birds they take whatever is bothering me and like set my soul free. <laughs> it takes like so much of the stress where i have a different perspective when i'm finished with that 20 minute walk so i move my body i don't listen to music i just listen to nature and i go in the rain <laughs> I go in the sunshine, I go in the snow, I go when needed. One of the other things I, I really love is I love books, but I don't make time to read books. So I listen to audiobooks and like books on anything that isn't about personal development. That is a stress reliever for me. I like to hear different voices. I get like to get lost in stories. That's another thing that I do. I do journal and I also, this is fairly new, like a year old. I started doing some ancestral healing work and like getting quiet and wanting to learn about the responsibility of healing my maternal and paternal lines so that suffering and these things that we've been talking about don't continue to the same degree that they are. So it's a very spiritual practice for me and sacred. So those are a few. And I have two dogs. 
<laughs> I have two dogs, and when I need it, I need to, you know, I give them love, and they give back. So uh, I'm a dog mama, and that too helps set me straight. And that's really dope. That's amazing. That's dope. I um I have a doggy too. His name is Peanut, but he's an old grumpy little Chihuahua man now. He's a Taco <laughs> Terrier. He's <laughs> My- he just he's like feed me, let me outside, keep the kids away from me, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's his whole thing and that was like another thing for me getting a pet because we weren't allowed pets when i was younger so like this guy he is my first baby like this little, yes this little guy my fur boy i love him even though he's a grumpy old man and he's but i'll tell you when i moved to a new city and like I wasn't making friends. I wasn't dating anybody. One time I came home one February and I was like, I'm getting a dog. <laughs> and now I have two, but like mine are little too. And, but it, that too. So, um, I got my dogs and then I decided to volunteer for the dog rescue that I got them because it, I fed by being of service and I also rest a lot but like I'll go to dog events and I help other people find the perfect dog but I I should I I forgot to mention I am becoming a rest enthusiast what is that meaning when I need to rest I rest Mm. whether it's a 20 minute nap whether it's sitting in a chair and just listening to some music and either dance well you can dance it's, it's taking a longer shower in the morning or at night. Um, and part of it is, especially for women of color, there's a book called Rest is Resistance, the Manifesto by um, Trisha Hershey. She, she created the NAP ministry. This book is fire. She <laughs> talks about we, rest is resistance to capitalism and the white male patriarchy. Why? What was this country built on? Mm-hmm slavery mm-hmm. and and we are also taught don't lay down you're being lazy why aren't you working why aren't you doing something and it's like she's like it's all about reclaiming that we are not lazy we have never been lazy even when we're being quote unquote lazy we can never be lazy but we can rest and so i i've been resting a lot like, if I want to go lay down, I'm like, I'm going to go lay down without guilt. Yeah. Take that nap. Mm-hmm. I, look, yesterday, I, so yesterday I had, like, some things to do. And, like, I powered through all my challenge goals, like, the challenge I told you about. So I, mm-hmm. I powered through my challenge goals. And I was just kind of looking at, like, my, I also do, for my listeners, how to, how I juggle managing my household being a wife, being a mom, and still being Julie is everything in my day is tasked out. So I have goals that I want to achieve for myself, for my household, for my children, for my husband every day. And I write them down as soon as I get up after I do my journal. So, mm-hmm. and then I just check them off throughout the day. And it's nothing crazy. You know, things take five, 10 minutes to do and stuff like that. So I was looking at the task for selective hearing. And I was like, man, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I'm going to take a bubble bath. I'm going to throw yep. on, light a candle. And then I'm going to take a nap. And I was like, I said, I'm going to lay down for an hour because that will like let me regroup and then I can tackle this. 
I slept for four hours. I have a two and a four year old. So four hours, I was on vacation. Yes. It was the best thing. I woke up like, yeah, that was. And, and then, then I was like, I'm not doing anything else for the rest of the day. And that that's what I chose to do. And that's what I needed. Yes. I was going to say, and your body and your spirit needed that. It mm -hmm. needed the rest. Like even um, for those who are in corporate, how many times do we go to work not feeling best because we might feel a little guilty about taking a sick day? Even though our bodies are physically run down because we have a project, because we don't want to miss a day, because we don't want our colleagues to think anything about us, like where where is he or she or you know, mm -hmm. no, like that's, again built into our culture. Mm -hmm. So these are the things we have to take. I feel like we have to take back. And and I've been. My mother used to go to work with an inner ear infection because she didn't want to like one miss her pay, even though she had sick time. She she would push herself to her own detriment. And so I learned that because my mother my mother taught me that. I was taught that in my sister and my brother. I used to watch my grandma fall asleep. I, I can't really remember my grandma going to sleep in her bed. Aww. I used to watch her fall asleep sitting straight up on the couch or even in her kitchen table, sitting up against the chair like this all the time. I remember her. I remember my grandma fall asleep sometimes like this with the phone lap. <laughs> <laughs> like grandma hit up the phone and it had the long cords. This before cell phones and all that. <laughs> and, and they would say, I'm just resting my uh -huh. eyes. I'm like, grandma, hang up the phone. You hear this big mama on the other end talking about, you sleeping? <laughs> like, she sleep. <laughs> Tell her, call me back. Hang up the phone. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. Just the the overworking yourself and the all these things we can let go. We can mm -hmm. let go of, it's okay to let them go. We don't need them. Yes. And it's part of our journey. Mm -hmm. It's part letting go and being okay with letting go. Yes, because this is my belief. I'm curious, like when we let go, something else is going to be there. Something much more fulfilling, more supportive, more like out of our comfort zone and finding something new. Like an ability that was always there, but we had forgotten about it. Yes. Oh my gosh, I just want to stay on forever with you. Okay, so I have to ask you the big question. Yes. What does selective hearing mean to you? Oh boy, okay, selective hearing. Hearing is so important or listening to, to myself, but also as a life coach. The selective hearing is when other people don't want to listen to what I have to say. Like when I'm trying to communicate like an emotion or something doesn't work for me either I'm talked over or I'm dismissed and that's so emotionally painful for me it happens to me on my job I have a manager she just she's very talkative and she'll talk over me or if I'm starting to ask a question and she starts to answer before I finish mm. like that's selective hearing for me like it's it's like I'm not being heard valued or seen not to the way or to the full degree that i would like to be so it's a painful thing where i try and listen to people like i i try and listen in between the lines or what is somebody saying to me or just give people space because sometimes 
I think in our society as well, like if we, if I, like, let's say I call my sister and I start to share a problem with her. I let her know. I don't want any advice. I just want to speak. <laughs> and she's healing me. Like, you know, like so many times we want to fix people or fix their problems. We're fixers. Um, and that's where like, sometimes I, I have to push that selective here. I'm like, I don't want any advice. I just want to talk to you <laughs> and like vent, like vent. So yeah, selective hearing is like when I feel like I'm not being heard or my needs aren't being met when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, looking for some support, whatever that looks like. So, and it shifts. When I first, my first promo, when I first started the show, I was like, Se- selective hearing is the ability to hear what you want to hear. And I said, people are all listening to respond. Because at that time, that's what I felt like. People were just waiting for that little brief second to just insert their blah. And it's like, <laughs> like no, I don't, that's not what we need. No. <laughs> oh, it was so beautiful having you here. Oh, I really enjoyed our Thank conversation. You. It was you, such a pleasure. It was. Like, I. oh, please come back and we can talk about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. I have to ask you to um, share with the audience, of course, all of your your social handles and your website so they can connect with you and have a conversation with you about how they can start their journeys or how they can continue whatever journey that they're on. Sure. Uh, my website is my first and middle initial and last name is Bettina, be like beautiful, E-T-T-I-N-A-M, like Marie, Jones, J-O-N-E-S dot com. And I would love for people to go to my uh, website, go to the homepage, sign up for my newsletter. I hope to sit, start a newsletter next month, but also check out my resource pages, uh, my resource page, because I, I um, focus on a lot of black and brown people who have written books that are meant for healing or breath work. I have like four different categories and long lists of information for them to check out. And if they ever want to have a discovery call to see if coaching is right for them, um, and I'm not the right coach for everybody, and that's perfectly fine. I believe in collaboration over competition, because if I know somebody who could support you, I'm going to send you in that direction, period. I, I just believe in reciprocity. So that's how they could find me. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me by Bettina Jones. I don't do instagram too much it's like my personal page as well as my facebook page and that's because i can't stand meta (laughs) (laughs) i i I don't trust mark zuckerberg um i like to you know so i I keep it small but if somebody reached out to me and wants to be friends i'm definitely open to that it's just that's where i post my thoughts my feelings (laughs) and let it go and I don't go on there too often but my website as well as LinkedIn certainly reach out to me I'd love it and I'm always open to conversation I like to support people and and yeah thank you thank you for providing this avenue this resource and being out there as a podcaster and expressing yourself that self-expression because it's so important and so beautiful and so needed in our world thank you and thank you for being here and everyone 
All of this information will be in the show details on my website. It will also be, if no matter what you're streaming on, all you got to do is click the show details and all the links will be right there with the description for this episode. So thank you. Thank you so much again. And to everyone, and to everyone listening until next week, this is Selective Hearing. So dope.